Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Please have your seats. I want to thank Bishop Johnson, thank Pastor Chris for the opportunity to stand on this podium. <laughs> it's not a very easy podium to stand on. Hallelujah. And I'd like to wish Happy Mother's Day to all the women in the house. Whether you've given birth or not, you've been a mother to somebody in the house. And we celebrate mothers today. Let's pray. Jehovah, you alone are God. Besides you, there is none. Your word is alive, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Let it accomplish the purpose for which you give it to me today in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you who know me, you know I always practice my singing on you. So I'm going to practice. This is a very old song. It's so old that I cannot even remember why I wrote it. When I write a song, there's always a story beside the song. But this song tells a story. So just listen to the story, okay? Hallelujah. So we didn't practice, but he always follows me. So when he makes me nervous, I've missed the key too. Sin no more 
heart before time Change my life story Wrote my days down Before my days got new me God before time Before my days got new me You know me Before time, hallelujah! Hallelujah! Before you, there is no God. There is no God like our God. This morning, I just want to use a few minutes and use a few stories to remind you not necessarily to say anything new that. This is it. Enough grace. Grace is enough. I really wanted to speak to you about a woman because this is Mother's Day. But this is what happened. And there's a woman in one of the stories anyway. Hallelujah. Plus, I've learned this. That enticing words of man's wisdom are never sufficient for the house. They are not as sufficient as the words that carry a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So I would like to tell you three stories that have to do with God's grace. God's grace that's enough for the obvious sinner. God's grace that's enough for the well-intentioned. The one who knows the law and feels that she or he knows everything. And God's grace for the one that's already anointed already knows his God. Hallelujah. So may I begin with the one for whom God's grace is obviously intended, the obvious sinner, a harlot named Rahab. We find her story in Joshua chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. So I don't know if you guys have it. You can put it up, but I'm going to read it anyway. This is Rahab the harlot. Every time she's called in the Bible, except in one place, she's called Rahab the harlot. Where I'm from, where I grew up in Monrovia, you could never escape your family history. People will always say, she's just like her mom. What do you expect? But whose daughter is she? What do you expect? So Rahab the Halot was called Rahab the Halot everywhere. Even in the chapter on the champions of faith, she's called Rahab the Halot. There's just one place she's not called that, but I'll get to that in a minute. So the spies have come to Jericho, and they meet up with Rahab. May somebody meet a Rahab today. While you're going somewhere, you have something to do. May God give you a Rahab in that place. Because the spies meet up with Rahab. And this is what the scripture says. It says, now before they lay down, she, meaning Rahab the harlot, came up to them on the roof and said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the, sea, the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, 
and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, King Sihon and King Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So why you are just digesting that scripture? Because I always forget the protocol. <laughs> this is on sale at the book stall, at the book table. Last week we had a worship gathering. If you did not attend, you made zero. Because it was powerful. The man of God brought a word from God. We had a session on Friday. We had two sessions on Saturday. We had some good food. And at this point, I'd like to thank all of those who participated. I want to thank Henry for playing the keyboard. I want to thank Diana for the jollof rice and the chicken. I want to thank Shana, who is just phenomenal. We made all of that food happen for $150. I just want you to know. So this is on sale, $10. Get it, in Jesus' name. Especially if you're in the worship ministry. Hint, hint. All right, so Rahab. When Rahab says this, she said, we heard what you guys did to the two Amorite kings. If you are a student of scripture, or maybe you are not, you can check for yourself in the book of Deuteronomy. When Moses is speaking to the children of Israel because he's not crossing the Jordan, he says, God will give you these two kings, the Amorite kings, and you will utterly destroy them. Rahab had heard the news. And so when the spies meet up with Rahab, that's what she says. She says, your God, he's a real God. I've heard about him. In fact, we are faint-hearted. All those who have heard the news, they are without strength. Sometimes when you meet your enemy, you don't know the enemy has heard about you already. And you have the grasshopper complex. You see them, you think these people are too big for me. May God give you a Rahab in the camp. Hallelujah. Because there is no enemy that is too big for your God. None at all. So we see Rahab in Joshua chapter 2. I'm talking about enough grace to cover every single thing. Enough for the one who is the obvious sinner. Rahab is a harlot. Everybody knows her. She is a practicing harlot. Because when the men came, they went to, Rah to, to, to Rahab's house. And when the king heard, he said, go to Rahab and ask her where the men are. Ah, uh, well, there you are. But then we see Rahab's name in another place. And we have to ask, but wait, which Rahab are we talking about again? Because this is what we read about Rahab in Matthew chapter 1, verses 5 to 6. It says, Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Let me say it one more time. The name Boaz, you should remember it. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab. Who are we talking about? Rahab is Boaz's mom. Jehovah God. 
One man came to Bethel one time, Pastor Chris, when we're in Silver Spring. He said, grace is scandalous. Scandalous. Because when you hear what grace has done, you're like, what? <laughs> what does what Boaz, Boaz, Mom, again, Rahab, the harlot? I'm not going to read the rest of the genealogy. That's the only genealogy in, it, in, it, in this Bible where women are mentioned. And you can take the time and read it. When you read the women that are there, there are all of them scandalous except for Mary. But that's another teaching for another time. Rahab. <laughs> Boaz begot Rahab by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse begot David the king. The very same Rahab. I don't care where your background is from. I don't care who you are. If any man, if any woman be in Christ, that person is a new creation. All things are passed away. Though your sins be as scarlet, he has washed them white as snow. Don't nobody care who your mama is. Don't nobody care who your papa is. Don't nobody care if you don't know your papa, you don't know your mama. Jesus makes all things new. My mom used to tell me, and I didn't realize what she used to say. I said this one time, and a friend of my mom's was in the congregation after what she said. Uh, what did you have to say those things about your mom? But nobody here knows my mom except maybe my daughter is here. But my mom used to say, nobody would say you are just like your mother. Because she had a little bit of stuff in her background. And I grew up in a small town, Monrovia, Snapper Hill to be exact. Everybody knew everybody. And everybody knew everybody's business. Hallelujah. The very same Rahab. But how did Rahab, the harlot, get from Joshua chapter 2 to Matthew chapter 1? In the genealogy of Jesus Christ? How? How was she catapulted from harlotry to the heavenlies? How was she catapulted from whoredom to the kingdom? How? Rahab the harlot is very simple because Hebrews says, by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe. But which faith? You say, which faith did Rahab have? Rahab said, we heard. And the God that you have, he is the real God. We say in my country, plower finished. That means the case is closed. She confessed it, but not just with her mouth, but by her actions. Because the spies told her, you take your whole generation and put them in the house. And down, put a scarlet cord. When I see the blood. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. She said, for the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. So when we get to get towards the end of the book of Joshua, it says in Joshua chapter 6, and Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household, and all that she had. So she dwells in Israel to this day because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. By grace are ye saved through faith. Even in the Old Testament. Hallelujah. Grace is sufficient for the obvious sinner. Everybody knows who you are or what you've done or you think everybody knows. But even if they do, grace is enough. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus. Hallelujah. That's right. And so this hymn says, Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that can pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sins. I just stopped by to tell you, grace is greater than all of your sins. Hallelujah. Amen. Mrs. Bishop Della, I see you right there. I just want to tell you I love you. I don't know why. I just have this big love in my heart right now while I'm singing this song for you. Amen. So the second one, God's grace is enough for the well-intentioned. May I tell you the story of Saul of Tarsus? Well-intentioned and self-described like this. This is how he describes himself in Philippians chapter 3, verse 5. If you can help me, I want the message version. I didn't give it to you, but that's how the spirit moves sometimes. But I'm just going to read it. This is Paul talking about himself. Who's back there? I know who it is. His name starts with H, but I'm having a senior moment. Hezekiah. This is how Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, describes himself. He says, you know my pedigree. A legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day. An Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherence to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point persecuting the church, a meticulous observer of everything set down in God's law book. He was well-intentioned. He had good intentions. He thought he was doing what God wanted him to do. Well-intentioned. On the way to Damascus, he is well-intentioned. He has all intentions of persecuting those who have dared to believe that this son of a carpenter is Messiah. Cannot happen. We say not by sight. No, it's not going to happen. 
But then something happens on the road to Damascus. Something happens on the road to Damascus. He meets Jesus, or rather he sees Jesus on the road to Damascus. And something that is a paradox happens. I love the Bible, it's full of paradoxes. A paradox is something that seems to contradict itself. How can Jesus be the first and the last? How can he be my son in the shade on my right hand? How can he be the lion and the lamb? How can he be the Lord of hosts and the Prince of Peace? How? So Saul of Tarsus has this experience on the road to Damascus. When he sees Jesus, it says the light of the world blinds him. Because that's who Jesus is, the light of the world. When he sees the light of the world, he's blinded. But the blindness brings the real sight that he needs because he himself says, the gods of this world have blinded those who do not believe in Jesus. So that blindness, when he sees the light of the world, brings a blindness and a sight at the same time. Because that light removes the blindness that's put on the people who don't believe in Jesus Christ. Let me just say this side issue. People who don't know Jesus, they are blind. You cannot tell them to stop smoking, stop fornicating, stop lying, because they cannot do it by themselves. Tell them about Jesus. I used to belong to a Bible study in Liberia. And one night at the Bible study, one lady got saved. But the lady was living with her boyfriend, and she was going home. And one of my sisters said, no, don't go home to that man. And do, but we had nowhere for her to sleep. <laughs> I said, if she goes home, she has given her life to Jesus. Even if she sleeps with a man that night, she has given her life to Jesus. I have complete confidence in the Holy Ghost. I don't know how many of you know Richard Cole, Pastor Chris. Richard Cole said he was drunk when he gave his life to the Lord. He was drunk. His grace is enough. He had good intentions, but his good intentions were based on the law. The law which could not see, and the law which could not save. And out of that encounter with Jesus came these kinds of things that he said. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus? Sin shall have no dominion over us. I count all things as loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. And I count all these things as rubbish that I make in Christ. Grace is enough. A catapulted soul of Tarsus from the law into a place where he began to suffer. But he wanted to remind people, he said, I count all of the things I used to have as rubbish for the excellence of knowing Jesus, the Christ. Grace is enough. 
even for the well-intentioned. Yes, it is. Because when you see him, so Jesus, he wooed me and like a lover, he pursued me and when I let myself be caught, I looked into his face. I saw he was beautiful beyond compare. I saw the fairest of 10,000 there and I left since dark slavery for his own because i heard him say i love you i heard him say i'll never leave you i heard him say take my yoke upon you my burdens lie i heard him say Take my yoke upon you, my burdens lie. You know what? His yoke is easy. His yoke is easy. When I saw he was beautiful beyond compare, and I saw the fairest of 10,000 there, I left since dark slavery for his own. I say I left since dark, tell me about grace. I left since dark slavery. I left since dark slavery for his own. Because all of us are slaves. You just decide whose slave you want to be. I decided I, want to be, I wanted to be his slave because I was a happy sinner. I was very happy. I liked going to the clubs. I liked dancing in the club. I liked doing all of those things. And without his help, I would still be doing some of those things. But when I saw him, my entire perspective changed and I realized those things that I love, they are passing away. Listen, I want to tell somebody in this place. I know when you hear people testify, they say, I don't like, I don't like, and you feel bad in yourself. You say, but I still like those things. So maybe I didn't get saved. No, no, you are saved. You just need to know who you are and what your weaknesses are and keep far away from them. Because Jesus will give you the power both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Plus, Bishop Johnson says you are not your feelings. It doesn't matter what you are feeling. It matters what you do. That's why James says, listen, you show me your faith by what you say. I will show you my faith by what I do. And that's why Jesus says, the one who loves me, 
He doesn't say you're a fee happy in your heart and have goosebumps and shout. He said, no, no, the one who loves me will do what I say is finished. If you love me, you will do what I say. This is a real proof of the pudding is in the taste. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Well-intentioned. Pressing to do what you feel is correct in the law. This is the law. Grace is sufficient for that. I remember a story of one woman got saved and she took all her clothes and gave them to her younger sister. And one day she saw the younger sister had on a skirt with a split up to here. And she said, but why do you dress like this? The girl said, no, no, it's your skirt. <laughs> Thank you, I see you are now waving your hand to praise the Lord, you are telling me the time, so I'm going to the last one. <laughs> Hallelujah. This last story is one of grace and mercy joined together. It's about one whom God has anointed. One King Jehoshaphat of Judah. He was not an obvious sinner. He's like you and me, the believer. He's anointed by God already. And this is what it says in 2 Chronicles 18, 28 to 32. And when you read it, you think that he was overtaken by the spirit of stupid. Because it says, so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. Listen to this. The king of Israel said, I will disguise myself and go into battle. And the king of Judah did not. Now the king of Syria, because they were going to fight, had commanded his captains who were with him saying, don't fight with anyone except the king. So when the captains saw the king of Judah dressed up like a king, they thought he was the king of Israel. And so they rushed upon him. And I love this. It says, King Jehoshaphat cried out. And the Lord heard him. In the midst of what he had done that was stupid. Because he had money, he had everything, he didn't need anything. He took himself and went to king, I will call this king name, you, you should know what I'm talking about, King Ahab. That's who he went and aligned himself with. And King Ahab said, let's go and fight Ramoth Kiliad. He said, I'm coming, your people are my people. He didn't ask God. I know that he knew to ask God because when King Ahab said we should go, he said, let's ask God if we should go. After he has agreed to go. And 400 prophets came and they began to prophesy. And they said, go up, you will defeat them. And one, he was, one prophet was hot in the group, his name was Zedekiah. He made himself horns of iron. He said, with these horns you will defeat the Syrians. To show you how King Jehoshaphat was taken by a spirit of stupid. When he heard those 400 people, he said, you know what? Isn't there still a prophet of God? And King Ahab said, the whole situation is just stupid. King Ahab said, there is one prophet, his name is Micaiah, son of Imlah. But he doesn't tell me anything good. So I will bring him. And he sent for Micaiah. When the messengers got to Micaiah, they said, Micaiah, please now, when you go, please don't bring any confusion. Just agree with those people. Micaiah said, I will tell them what the Lord says. He comes. They ask him, he said, go, you will win. Listen to what Ahab says. 
didn't I tell you not to tell me any lies? You should just tell me what the Lord said. He said, okay, I saw the children of Israel, they were scattered like they had no master. Everybody needs to go home. Don't go and fight. Zedekiah came from somewhere. He gave Micaiah one we say in Liberia, dirty slap. He slapped him. He said, where did the spirit of God pass by me to speak to you? I like Micaiah, you know. He had a smart mouth. He said, when you are hiding in your room, in the inner chamber, you will know. So King Ahab got mad. He said, put the man in prison. Give him the bread of affliction, the water of affliction. When I come back in peace, I will deal with him. Micaiah said, if you come back in peace, then the Lord didn't speak to me. So they go to war. That's the story I was telling. The stupid King Jehoshaphat dressed up in his clothes while Ahab puts on his armor. But you know what? Ahab is under judgment. You can read the story afterwards about King Ahab and his wife Jezebel. He's under judgment. Why would King Jehoshaphat align himself with a king who is under judgment? So when Jehoshaphat cries, it said the Lord heard him and diverted the people. And verse 33 says, a sighty man who wasn't even planning it, he shot a random arrow. The arrow hit King Ahab between his armor. When God diverted the people from King Jehoshaphat, King Ahab thought he was getting away. It's a certain man shot a random arrow. People, please, I don't know who's aligning herself or himself with King Ahab in this place. Remove yourself. Remove yourself. A certain man shot a random arrow. Hit King Ahab, King Ahab died. And God saved King Jehoshaphat because of mercy and because of grace. You say, why did he do it? Why do you do the things you do? Why do I do the things I do? Why do I hear the Holy Spirit telling me no? Big in my head. And then I look at the situation with my two eyes and say, I will do what I see. Or sometimes you even know that it's wrong. You say, I will just do it. Bishop is preaching about grace. Why do you do it? But his grace is enough. Still enough. Straighten up your heart. Straighten your heart. His grace is enough. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. His oath is covenant, his blood supports me in the overwhelming flood when all around my soul gives way even it's all
just sing it one more time. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is All of the ground is sinking May I invite you this morning, if you have not had the experience of this Jesus that I'm talking about, this is an opportunity that God brought you here to hear about. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you've done. You can be a rank sinner like Rahab the harlot. His grace is sufficient. Or maybe you've never experienced this grace because you don't know him. You are well-intentioned. You think you are a good person. You think, I don't need to know this Jesus. Why do you all get so carried away about Jesus, the Holy Spirit? What? No, you are well-intentioned. His grace is sufficient for you. I want to invite you to come up. Meet this Jesus. Say, Pastor Glade, I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose from my, from my, from my uh, 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 deliverance. The word is gone from my mind. But he's not your Lord. You believe it, you give a mental assent to the fact that Jesus died. But he's not doing anything in your life. He's not your Lord. Say, Pastor Gladden, what does it mean for him to be my Lord? When he says yes, you say yes. When he says no, you say no. And when you don't know what to do, you can't make it. You tell him, God, right now, I cannot make it. If you don't help me, I'm going to mess the whole thing up. Pastor Gladden say you gave the power both to will and to do of your good pleasure. I need that power right now. I want to invite you to... Let me do it the way Bishop says. If you are sitting next to someone and you don't know this Jesus, you fit into one of those categories, just grab the person's hand that's right by you and squeeze the person's hand. Squeeze the person's hand. Then you know what? I'm going to invite both of you to come up. If you are embarrassed, nobody will know who squeezed whose hand. Two people will be coming. <laughs> Seriously. I want to invite you to come up. Experience this Jesus. Show him your real self. You know what? Because he already knows your real self. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Elder Bangi. I'm going to ask you to please take care of these people who are up here. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, shout to the Lord, all ye people. Clap your hands and we shout to you with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And for those who know the Lord already, but you're in the, so one of the categories I speak about, I spoke about. Can we just pray right now? 
I want you to close your eyes. I want you to speak to the Lord. He's the best keeper of secrets ever. Jehovah, you know our hearts. You know the foolish things we've done. You know how we have been overtaken so many times by the spirit of stupid. The spirit of stupid has taken over us so many times. We know what is right. We even get godly counsel and they tell us this is not right. But we say we want to do it. Have mercy upon us, God. The same mercy and grace you showed to King Jehoshaphat. Have mercy upon us. For the one who has aligned herself or himself with a person like King Ahab, God, separate, separate, separate. We give you thanks. We give you praise. We give you glory. We lift up your name, Jesus, commanding King of Kings. Lion of the tribe of Judah, bright and morning star, there is none like you. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www. BethelCityOfHope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.